Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Good evening and welcome to the Tony Kinnett cast. I am Tony Kinnett and uh, you guessed it, let's get right to the news. First, pro-Hamas protesters have uh, flipped completely on Democrats, which is truly hilarious. Uh, Pro-Hamas protesters uh, tried to break into the DNC last night and the behavior is about on par with what you'd expect. Take a look. Well, (laughs) all of a sudden, the summer of love isn't so lovely anymore for the Democrats. I mean, come on. The irony of of the Democrats talking about how white supremacists and the right was just such a terrible threat to the United States and that George Floyd protests were such mostly peaceful protesters. (laughs) Oh, man. And they, they had to tear gas him. Remember when AOC said that, that tear gas was tantamount to chemical warfare against protesters? <laughs> and now her fans are getting tear gassed because the cops are trying to protect her. Um, I got to agree with a lot of the conservative commentary. Republicans in the House missed a great opportunity to take pictures from under their desks uh, and, and post those to social media in solidarity. Um, I mean, you know, play with the bull and get the horns. And again, a lot of this is off the base of uh, a lot of the youths, a lot of Generation Z uh, completely flipping on the Democrats and Republicans as well. Uh, Generation Z um, is yet again proving why the voting age needs to be raised to like 25 at this point. I, I mean, Generation Z, both the, the populists on the left, also known as your, your social Democrats, your socialists, and then your populists on the right. Uh, so all of your your groipers and, and hyper super duper isolationists are are just losing it. There's a videos circulating all over TikTok, um, you know, the app that is run by the communist government of China. Uh, not the same social media app they use for their citizens. No, the app that they use for their citizens promotes videos like civil engineering uh, and mechanical function and uh, like physical exercise. But in the app for the United States and the Western world, what's circulating right now, what the algorithm is artificially helping, is uh, the letter from Osama bin Laden to America. Uh, you know, the, the, the letter of Osama bin Laden to the United States, in which he says that 9-11 is all Americans' fault, and he's justified in, in killing any civilians that he wants. And uh, also, he says that the entire world is owned and controlled by the Jews, and that Christians should be shot through the temple. Uh, among among another series of very horrible things that, you know, Osama bin Laden is known for. And uh, that letter is now circulating because people think um, that uh, bin Laden was woke uh, on the left and the populist right, which is just 
astounding browsing online today and seeing all of the people, again, under the age of 25, who know nothing about how the real world works, a lot of whom have never left the United States, a lot of whom who have never talked with a Shia Muslim, a lot of whom have never spent any time watching actual footage. Um, But boy, they tell you what, those Instagram posts and those TikTok videos, those give you a full worldview. So just well done, Generation Z. Um, I had very low hopes for you, as did every other generation in this country, but you have somehow managed to disappoint the boomers even more than millennials with avocado toast. So super swell job there. Um, I will say this, though. The socialists are having a pretty rough time because uh, it looks like Biden's cabinet cannot stomach uh, how Biden has acted around Xi Jinping, uh, the Chinese dictator. Uh, again, yeah, everyone knows Xi, well, Winnie the Pooh, uh, the, the slaughterer of tens of thousands, you know, like all communist dictators. Well, he was in San Francisco in the last couple of days, and after Gavin Newsom bent over backwards to make sure that the city was free of homeless filth, crap, and syringes for the first time in like a decade, and uh, after, of course, uh, President Z was, or Chairman Z was given a rousing parade with the communist flag of China uh, as he received a motorcade down the city. Um, President Biden had some very important diplomatic stuff going on, like uh, getting pandas from the Chinese government, because that's that's the squeaky wheel that needed the, the grease, not the constant cyber attacks, um, not certainly uh, China's testing the waters with Taiwan and uh, flybys of our military aircraft and the Navy in the region. Uh, nothing actually seriously important. Um, but panda bears are going to start coming to the United States again. So thanks, Biden. I appreciate it. We already have Panda Express, uh, but, you know, better late than never, I suppose. Uh, also, the, the president of Biden did, in one moment of strange uh, lucidity, uh, call President or Chairman G a dictator, which he absolutely is. The funny part of the video, though, is not President Biden calling Xi a dictator. You know what Biden sounds at this point. It's all really mouth, hey, Jack, and and over and the under. Uh, That, you know, that's par for the course with President Biden. Not that he could actually get par on any course. But the best part is Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Um, Because the Secretary of State is supposedly supposed to be a very diplomatic individual, um... And, well, you'll just have to take a look at this one for yourself. Here is uh, Antony Blinken responding um, as Biden calls Xi a dictator. Mr. President, after today, would you still refer to President Xi as a dictator? This is a term uh, that you used earlier this year. Well, look, he is. I mean, he's a dictator in the sense that he is a guy who's run the country. Okay, okay. One more time. You have the look on his face is just breathtaking. Take a look at this. Mr. President, after today, would you still refer to President Xi as a dictator? This is a term Here's the question. Uh, that you used earlier this year. Oh, look, he is. I mean, he's a dictator. Oh. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Oh, because he is a dictator, and that is what he should be calling him, but you can tell that, again, Biden has, like, cheat sheets galore, because he has dementia. He, he has dementia. I, I'm sorry, folks. That's just the way it is. Anyone who's ever worked with a dementia patient, regardless of political aisle, knows that the President of the United States has aggressive dementia. He is dying in office, and it is despicable that his family and those around him continue to push him up like a puppet, because they don't think that they have anyone else who can beat Trump. It's very, very weird. But you can see the moment 
when Blinken is like, oh man, I sure hope that he can read the big post-it note that we left for him that says, don't call Xi Jinping a dictator. Also, remember to take your Percocet. Like, you can see him know that it's going on a train wreck and then just the, oh. (laughs) I love it so much. It's so great. It's so great. Speaking of just hilariously baffling nonsense back here in Indiana, uh, the United Auto Worker Union members in Fort Wayne have voted to reject the General Motors deal. This is by Kurt Darling. So for a couple of months now, the United Auto Workers were really upset and they had a few good reasons to be upset because these large corporations who used to have decent pension plans and who used to build all of their products in the United States, uh, those companies were encouraged to go abroad and also chose the very stupid decision to not take care of their workers and to kind of cancel a lot of pension programs as well as a lot of uh, different kinds of tiering and pay scale and things like that. So the UAW went on strike. Again, kind of classic union tactic there. That's that's what a union does. When it doesn't get what it wants, it goes on strike. And uh, at first, I kind of thought, you know, they, they might just say, hey, give us pensions. Now, certainly a lot of the members of the union do not deserve a pension. I'm thinking of uh, Becky Liu, um, who weighs 346 pounds and can't even move parts down the line um, and is still treated just the same and paid just the same as uh, the lady next to her who actually can do her job. Um, but aside from those individuals, I thought, you know, the UAW might actually get a few things accomplished here. And then they released their demands to the public. A four-day work week. Okay. And not to mention, like, a quintupled pay raise, uh, it, which is just insane. Uh, the normal pay raise quintupled to be about a 20 to 40% pay raise. And Ford and General Motors uh, actually came out and kind of agreed with you. Think, we'll give you a little bit of a raise here. We'll reduce some hours and we'll, we'll take another look at the pension plans. And I thought that was a pretty decent counteroffer. And then they said no, because the whole country was kind of on their side. Some key Democrats had come out. Biden had waddled sort of out to a place somewhat near the auto worker strike in Detroit and support the union and they felt really good and uh General Motors and Ford just kind of held out and kept giving fairly reasonable returns on the offer kind of said here's some negotiate here what we think would you know would be fair we're here you guys you're not happy we would like to be making money and getting things down the line and so finally Ford kind of smoothed things over with their manufacturing assembly plant in Detroit and uh, or in Clinton Township, north of Detroit. And uh, a lot of the other UAW workers in towns like Fort Wayne are still not happy. So at this point, I got to ask you, how important do you think you are? I mean, really, I I come from a UAW family. Uh, My dad worked on many different factory lines. And uh, look, I understand that things are ridiculous, but at, at what point are you really like, why are you asking for the moon? And and when they give you a pretty decent response, you know, they give you a pretty huge wage. They say they're going to bring the pension system back into play. All of a sudden you realize you what you could have gotten more. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Go back to work. Come on now. We've given you your attention We've, we've, I, look, I, I get it. I don't think that the UAW is like the teachers unions. I hear you. But at some point, this union leadership that's, that's ordering all this nonsense, you guys just got to get rid of that garbage. 
you have better things to be doing. We have more consistent problems to be facing than you working five days instead of four days a week. Lastly, but not leastly, this one is, this is just for you guys because this is, well, this is something else. This is a picture of Fremont High School in Oakland. Now, those of you out there who are kind of, uh, let's say a little more sleuthy, see if you can tell me what's wrong with the flagpole outside of Fremont High School in Oakland. Now, I don't know if you caught it. It's kind of a pixel-by-pixel situation here. But the only flag flying on the only flagpole outside of Fremont High School is the uh, flag of Palestine. Um, So, yeah, that's against the law, first of all. That's a publicly funded building. So that violates California state law. It also violates federal law. Um, It's also pretty disrespectful, again, given the uh, uh, incredible atrocities uh, provided by Hamas to over 1,200 Israeli individuals. Not to mention, of course, you know, uh, the Americans that were killed and held hostage. So uh, California is going exactly as you might expect. So in a couple of days, we've seen the uh, flag of communist China uh, greet President Xi on his uh, trip to the country. And now we have the the flag of uh, genocidal Palestine uh, flying over our California high schools in Oakland. So uh, again, just super duper good job, everyone. Just stellar stuff. Well, we've got something special for you next. Stephen Kent uh, is one of the foremost brilliant individuals when it comes to discussing culture, when it comes to discussing media, brought him in to talk a little bit about Disney and their Star Wars reboots because they're very controversial. Disney has announced that they're going to be making another Star Wars trilogy with Rey. Very weird stuff. And uh, Stephen's going to break down a little bit of that for us next. You are listening to the Tony Kinnicast on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Hi, I'm Tony Kinnett. Welcome back to the Tony Kinnett cast on 93 WIBC. We're joined by author Stephen Kent, author of How the Force Can Fix the World, Lessons on Life, Liberty, and Happiness from a Galaxy Far, Far Away, and uh, just an incredible guy all around. Stephen, what are you working on these days? Well, Tony, first of all, congratulations on the new show. Uh, Indiana is lucky to have you. Uh, Yeah, what am I working on these days? I am the director of PR and media for the Consumer Choice Center out of Washington, D.C. So just working on keeping, yeah, keeping government out of people's uh, consumer prices and, uh, and choice in the marketplace. And, you know, and then by night, of course, I'm, I'm all Star Wars still. So writing Star Wars books, writing Star Wars blogs and trying to keep people uh, connected to the galaxy far, far away. I know you and I have kind of a, a headcanon dream that for one of the future Star Wars shows, <laughs> you and I get to be Imperial officers. And uh, yeah. someday, man, someday. Yeah. One day they're going to come to me. They're going to finally realize that I'm the Imperial officer they've been missing all along. Uh, one day, Disney will call. Have I ever told you the tale of how I almost voiced Obi-Wan Kenobi in a video game? No, please tell me. Oh, okay. So uh, it was 2019. 
And uh, voice actors, a lot of them don't have agents because we're nowhere near as important as real actors. And so they have like guilds. And uh, there was some open kind of interest in in the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi because the voice actor for Obi-Wan, James Arnold Taylor, in the uh, cartoons and the video games, he was unavailable. He was at Disney doing uh, this really amazing kind of voice acting demonstration. And... uh, the one of the guild agents got me into the the trials for it, and I remember being sent all of these nonsensical lines like Anakin, the Jedi Council will never stand for such frivolity, and just that kind <laughs> of nonsensical whatever. Because they didn't tell us the title of the game, they didn't tell us when it was coming out. Just like Obi Wan parenthesis frustrated parenthesis or exasperated, like Anakin, you have to keep track of your lightsaber, like that kind of stuff. And uh, Obi-Wan's entire personality is exhausted. He is it really is. exhausted I, and an uppity Jedi. Can't, can't you just identify with just the exhaustion of <laughs> Obi-Wan at all of the shenanigans? So we get to the end and uh, I'm, I'm, there are fewer and fewer people on the email list. Um, so I'm assuming that means there are, you know, fewer people that are left kind of in this process. And uh, right about January, 2020, get down near to the end and I'm one of, of from how it looks one of maybe two or three that aren't on staff and uh, go to CPAC. And I'm like, man, I'm like down to the last one one or two. This is CPAC 2020. And I'm very excited. And uh, I get home and then COVID hits and they lock everything down. And all of a sudden, all of the voice actors are at home in their own little private studios mm-hmm. And so, uh, alas, at, at that point, um, they no longer needed us because James Arnold Taylor was available. So that's that's my uh, fish got away story. Uh, you were robbed. You were robbed, and Star Wars would have been better for it. Tony is now my Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, I'll take it. So the, the thing I wanted to talk about here is the Ahsoka series, because we've, mm-hmm. we've gotten to the end of yet another Disney series, and whenever the, the trailer breaks, um, talking about a new show for Disney star Wars or really any IP that they touch. Everyone gets so hyped and everyone's so excited. Like, Oh man, this is going to be the best show. Um, they see the lightsaber, you know, they hear the, the dynamic breathing of Darth Vader at one point, And then there's some character pulled out of either the, the, um, the original trilogy or pulled out of the, the sequels or the prequels. And everyone gets really excited. Oh man. And, in the last couple of shows we've seen with the last season of the Mandalorian. And uh, then we saw with Obi-Wan like enormously uh, Boba Fett. And now with Ahsoka, it just kind of flops near the end. And it feels like the further that we go, the more people are losing their excitement, their luster for this show. And I don't know it. What what do you think is the cause of that? I mean, are the shows getting worse or people just getting tired of star Wars? Is it a writing issue? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I, I want to start by saying that Bob Iger at Disney, uh, of the many things that he has gotten wrong during his tenure, he was right to see gold behind Marvel and Star Wars. But, you know, with both of these properties, they need to be treated differently. And I have said since the beginning of that acquisition that Star Wars needs to remain slow, it needs to remain an event. Uh, every couple of years is the appropriate 
amount of times to release a Star Wars product or a Star or mm. Star Wars movie of any kind. Uh, you so you know, don't just mean in the script, like slow paced and character focused. You mean like the timing release. of the release. Yes, uh, but we are in a get everything when you want it streaming annual release cycle for all IPs, Marvel, Star Wars, what have you. So you get sometimes two different shows a year and an additional movie. Uh, it's too much. You know, Star Wars used to be on an every three years release cycle uh, before Disney, and it builds up that sweet anticipation that you're going towards an event. But this is the era of a la carte entertainment, a la carte entertainment, mm -hmm. meaning, meaning it's not necessarily a buffet. Like you could think of it as a buffet of things that you can watch, but it's more like people are going to watch a little bit of this. They're going to watch a little bit of that. I have, I'm interested in the character of Ahsoka because I'm 33 years old and grew up on the Clone Wars animated series. Sure. And I'm going to watch uh, this animated show, but I'm not interested in this movie or that movie. And I think that is why we are seeing this sort of bifurcation in the Star Wars market. There's mm. not really that many people who are interested in an Ahsoka show. And it doesn't have that much to do with the quality of the series. I really? will... I will, I will go to the mat that Ahsoka is top notch Star Wars. I mean, this is, this is the kind of stuff that I, I wait around all year for. Really? It's really, I mean, it's even really, the, really good. Even the sequence where like she brings herself back to life because of her, like her memory. I, of I, course. I, I, you, I, of I course. found that a little cheesy. And again, I, I know people always say, well, it's a children's show. It's Star Wars. It's uh -huh. supposed to be cheesy. And it's like, ah, no. Um, that's, that's like a cop out in, in, instead of actually describing the methods at play. I don't know. I, mm -hmm. it's like they get so close. Did you need and... someone to explain to you where Gandalf the White came from after he fell down a giant hole? Come on, Tony. That's ridiculous. He goes in, she goes into the water. She sort of like dies and has this sort of meditative trance state, which Joseph Campbell famously described in the power of myth conversation that he had on PBS, where he goes to be immersed in water, sort of like baptism, is a chance for rebirth and transcendence. And she's literally dead in the ocean uh, and having this sort of out of body experience where she communes in the forest with her old master, Anakin, and then gets a chance to live again. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'd, I'd push back just a little on, on the Gandalf expansion because in, in the universe of Lord of the Rings, and again, looking in, mm -hmm. in, in the books from which the movies were based, Gandalf is an angel. He's an Einar, so he's mm -hmm. or, or a Valar. So he's supposed he goes back, and they're like, "Yeah, you're not done." And they send him back, and he explains this very explicitly. And they don't go into detail in the movies because the movies, you know, are already three and a half hours long. But Ahsoka's not some angelic being, and at this point, Anakin's also made the. He's already killed the Emperor. He's you know technically on the the, the side of the light. And so Ahsoka's having this vision. How can she have an out-of-body experience where the, the presence of Vader and the Sith still lingers? Like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't actually quite oh I have an answer work. to that. And I don't want to bore your audience to to tears with the minutia of Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, but so your answer to the Gandalf the White thing is that, you know, in the books there's sort of this bigger thing going on with like angels, right? And sending them back and his time is not done. Well, in Star Wars there's stuff that goes on behind the scenes too that informs what casual viewers see on screen, which is that in the animated series, The Clone Wars, Ahsoka received the mantle 
of sort of the angel of the light side of the force. There are these gods in Star Wars called the Moldus gods. There's the father, the son, the daughter. The daughter is the light, the son is the dark, the father is the balance between the two. And Ahsoka is the inheritor. She actually received the life essence of the daughter, the keeper of the light side of the force in this show. And she is that figure. So she, I would contend that she is an angel <laughs> who is, she is meant to live. Um, I think that's really important. And the force should be big. It should be confusing. There should be things about it that don't make sense. And that's when Star Wars is at its best. Um, I think when you get too caught up in like, this sequence was weird or this sequence was, was poorly done, I go like, wow, there was tons of that in the prequels, right? Like the prequels are a mess uh, in many ways, but we have a sweet spot for them because they were made by the creator, right? They were George Lucas's work. And so he sort of gets a little bit more leeway uh, when things are a little kooky or strange because he is Star Wars and Disney just bought it. Um, I think that's a really interesting distinction for a lot of fans to make is who gets a uh, slack cut <laughs> when they do weird things with Star Wars or any story. On 93 WIBC, the Tony Kidd cast talking with Stephen Kent, a Star Wars author, and uh, not to mention an incredible Star Wars fan like myself. It's kind of a different angle here to talk about the recent series of uh, Star Wars and, and kind of where it's going and, and what Disney's done with it. And, uh, the, the thing that I want to bring to you here at, at the end here as we kind of wrap up in this second segment is they are making a new Daisy Ridley Star Wars movie. I guess that's that's in the works and they're going down the sequel road. We're going to try this yet again. And I mean, I can't even tell you that the reception, even on the most faithful of Star Wars fan groups and media presences is anywhere near happy about this. What are they doing? Well, in our last segment, we were talking a little bit about Star Wars as an a la carte approach where they are going, all right, there are different audiences for different parts of this galaxy. Uh, I will tell you, I am not an audience for anything that goes on after the original trilogy. I, I haven't much enjoyed the sequels. They didn't ruin my life, but I, I haven't enjoyed them very much. And I have no interest in a Ray Jedi Order story that happens after the rise of Skywalker. Well, I, I don't really have an interest in, in an entire universe, which not only riddled the original universe, like with plot holes and garbage, but also ruined the original characters. That was, that's yeah, kind of hard. Uh, it's, to, to, and a lot of people through. view it as a, as a desecration. And look, I get that. Um, I think that it's going to be a huge mistake to do a, uh, a Ray Jedi Order series. Uh, there is not a strong connection across multiple generations with that character. I would say that she was a failure on a lot of different marks. Um, but you know what? I'm also not convinced it's going to get made. They put a lot of feelers out there for things that are in pre-production and writing stages. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've tapped a director to go ahead and start pulling together a team. And then you know how this goes. Like a year later, they go, ah, we've shelved production. Um, so I just sure. kind of, I don't buy it quite yet. When I see a trailer, then I will, uh, I'll be all in with you. Gotcha. I uh, got about 30 seconds left to tell me. This is the question that a lot of people have been asking. Do you think that the recent pushback on Snow White and a lot of other of Disney's IPs um, are going to kind of make Disney rethink how political it gets with Star Wars? Because episode eight, very political. Third season of Mando, fairly political. What do you think? Do they start to back off or not? 
They have to. I, I assume that they see what's happening to their stock price. They see what's happening at their parks and that people have lost faith in Disney across a wide range of different target markets for them. Uh, they're either going to do uh, make a change or they're going to die. Stephen Kent, thank you very much. Author of excellent pieces such as How the Force Can Fix the World. Uh, may the force be with you. May the force be with you, Tony. You are listening to the Tony Kinnecast on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Awful tweets, awful tweets, the ones that no one ever deletes. Awful tweets, awful tweets on the Tony Kinnett Show. On 93 WIPC. Good evening and welcome back to the Tony Kinnett cast. That's right, you heard the music. It's time for my favorite weekly segment, Don't Tell uh, Anyone Else. It's time for Awful Tweets with Jerry Lopez, Indie Spanglish. How's it going, buddy? Not too bad. How are you doing today? Good. I've got some, uh, I've got some real just... Ugh. We're talking nose hold over the diaper tweets for you this week, man. So I'll tell you what, though, in in interest of fairness and in, in honor of, of how insane of a week it's been, go take the first tweet, my son. So the first one I'm going to go with is just it's a hometown tweet. It's from Wish TV. And they basically said a recent study by IU using smartphone data shows that um, there are many racial disparities in what neighborhood policing looks like. The, the problem is they, they later on in the article, they say they can see from a pattern, at least statistically, increased time spent in the black neighborhoods can explain more than half of the higher arrest rate of black people. I think the only thing I can get from this is black people have to commit crime. Like it makes no sense to me. Police police where the crime is at. I don't understand what, what the problem is. I mean, I'm just confused. So it, I'm, and I, again, I, I typically think in, in more of just like locational neighborhoods rather than, you know, in a neighborhood dominated by a particular sure. color group. Sure. Just I was raised. Um, but if I was sitting in a, in a neighborhood in a cop car, all right, let's just say we're sitting in any random neighborhood. Um, does that mean that there's going to be more arrests in that neighborhood that evening? Like, does that like, I'm like, oh, there's a kid out walking past 7 p.m. It's time to slap on the cuffs. Start like, arresting these, people. <laughs> what are these arrests for? Like, are they arrests for speeding? Because, yeah, then, okay, you know, cops catch more speeders where they sit for speed traps. Sure. That's that's a study. But, like, what are what are the arrests for? What right. are the arrests not, for? I'm sure they're not for they're speeding, like, but cops sit where speeders are. Police patrol where crime is. It's very simple. It has you know, nothing to do with race or any of that. Like I grew up on the south side, southwest side of Indianapolis, you know, sure. right heart, west Washington, Harding, Bellevue area. You know, it's, this is not a racial thing. This is where the crime is occurring. And to make it anything worse than that takes away any responsibility from the community. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I will say that this is probably less about the, uh, the studies from, um, probably less about the the tweet from being from wish TV as much as it is this garbage IU article, uh, because 100%, goodness, 100%. I've got one for you and it's, it's education based. So, um, Laura Germain, um, and she is the co-founder of the disrupt texts movement, which is, you know, where you complain about classic literature in a classroom. Uh, she said, you know, to this education conference, 2023 presenters, 
I know that many want to do land acknowledgements, you know, like where you acknowledge <laughs> this is on stolen yeah, land from yeah. the whatever tribe. She says the committee against racism and bias has created a land acknowledgement that draws a direct connection to the current genocide in Palestine. So, you know, when you're giving an education conference and you know, you're, you're let's say you're out in, um, Okay, well, you know, let's say you're over Delaware tribal territory, even though mm-hmm. the Delaware Indians didn't actually have any kind of a tribe, uh, tribal like claim to specific lands. If you're like, well, this is over Delaware, and you know what else was over Delaware? The genocide in Gaza City. Like, <laughs> why, why? Why? Stop! Oh my goodness! It, it's just it, the posturing, Jerry. The posturing. it's sad how they try to connect everything. To it, it really you know, it's, oh, it's, it's also queer abuse like, like what yeah. well well hey we're gonna follow up on yours this is this perfect segue so it's been alleged that somebody's gonna spend a hundred million dollars as a campaign to knock the squad out right so cory bush ilhan omar uh, jamal Bryan, summer lee all these people get rid of them i don't think that's a bad thing i think that would even be good for their constituents if we're being 100 percent honest but aoc had to chime in all right she says criticism of the israeli government is fun is virtually non-existent in U.S. politics, but apparently that's not enough. We got to spend a hundred million to unseat the few who believe in Palestinian humanitarian rights and a ceasefire that most Americans already support. The acceptable level of dissent is zero. Oh my good! I, you know, I can see why. Um, I can see why after her economic degree, she kind of couldn't find a job anywhere, and so she she took a job um, in the service industry. And honestly, I mean. What? No criticism of the Israeli government? Has she looked around lately? Hey, there are marches in the streets in the United States, and as much as I don't support them, that is true. That that is a, that's America. That's rights, right? That is rights. Right. There are countries where you can't say anything. So the fact that she's even bringing this up is ridiculous. And then to turn around and try to say we're attacking the few people who support Palestinian humanian uh, human rights, that's. Once again, we got to equate everything back to Israel, Gaza, Israel, yeah, Gaza. The, the squad has been horrible for their constituents for years. This is not just also, a now thing. It also just happens. It just so happens, you know, <laughs> just by chance that they also believe a lot of crazy socialist Marxist nonsense and that they're also for a lot of other insane stuff. You know, they are a genuine threat uh, when it comes to policies that govern the, the regions that they're in. And so, uh, I think I hate the whole, they're spending a hundred million dollars. Yeah, it's politics. People spend money yeah. on campaigns. That's that's the entire hey, industry of lobbying. Je- Jefferson Shreve spent 13 mil of his own money. <laughs> so you're talking about getting rid of five people, a hundred mil apiece. Jefferson Shreve almost spent that. So All right. I've got a new one. This is from, this is from ABC. ABC News. Um, new. DeSantis says he doesn't know Mitt Romney. But an unearthed yearbook photo shows he once <laughs> campaigned for him. And it's like this old photo where like Romney's a teenager and he's got like a Romney for governor sign. And they're just amazed. You know, Jerry, there's a picture of me with Mike Pence um, when I was in high school because yeah. he was at the time my congressman had just run for governor. Um, and, and that was cool. I, yeah. Uh, I, I've, I used so to. So how long like, have you known Mike Pence? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I'm going to be calling up and ask him. Goodness gracious. I have a picture with Adele. Ask her if she knows me. I don't. I mean, Donald Trump was tweeting about how much he loved uh, Democrats back in, you know, 08, 09, and 10. 
And I get people change their minds. People's policies change. Individuals yeah. become different. I think the nothing burger. That guy is being paid to write articles. He's being paid money to write articles. Yeah. Well, back to go. our back to our socialist thing in Las Gaza, Israel. So, uh, Tony Katz uh, tweeted to somebody. He said, "Every child in Gaza and Israel will be safe when Hamas is gone. Every child." Mm -hmm. Sure. And our our resident socialist who was just elected to the Indian, uh, the, the city council, uh, Jesse for Indy says dead, quote unquote, dead children are safer because they've been killed. Sound argument to which Tony responds. And then we get gold from our resident communist. He says, I'm just some dumb schmuck who thinks that kids are less safe after their homes are destroyed and their parents are killed and their schools are bombed and their hospitals are bombed and they are also killed. <laughs> This is wow. a, this is a this this person actually represents a district. So first of all, congratulations to Jesse Brown for actually you know decrying Hamas and the thousands upon thousands of rockets they send towards Israeli civilian areas uh, like every other day of the year. Yep. Um, and then also, I, I love how I love this so much. You actually have Hamas individuals that will go on camera for multiple networks from RT in Russia to Al Jazeera in the Middle East, and will say, "Yeah, we're we're holding up kids to you know." to sacrifice for the land of Palestine. Yeah, I mean, children getting killed is a good thing if it's for the name of Allah. And you have a grandmother from Palestine the other day. I was just saying, yeah, I'd sacrifice all like 60 something of my grandchildren in order to keep Palestine uh, free of the Jews. I, yep. I, but the good thing our local commie has, well, has got saw, it all settled. Well, you right. saw the report that Hamas was actually shooting at people trying to leave uh, the cities that were going to be bombed by Israel. It's almost like it's almost like Hamas needs these people to die so that Americans feel sorry for them. I mean, they they are very open about you that's can't their leave. Goal. Yeah, very open about that. They're like, yeah, that's, we want them to die because then they the need West to die because yeah, you guys will feel bad. Well, so this this one's a good one. Since we're since we're on Indianapolis, I oh, yeah. want to talk about someone who I didn't really hear about until a couple of months ago, um, and her name is Jocelyn Vare, and she was running for city council at large. Uh, in Fishers, and uh, she lost. She lost. And what I really, really love is is her her concession tweet. So a lot of people they send out tweets like, "Hey, it was a really good campaign. I congratulate this person. Look forward to them doing a really good job." Blah blah blah. She says, "This is undeniable. Fishers municipal elections were very close, and the outcomes were affected by." poor voter turnout and GOP's nasty attacks and big dollars, you know, $5 signs. She doesn't just say big money, $5 signs. Um, so then she has purple hearts says, as a community. We know that we are better than this. That's why I have hope for Fisher's Indiana still. And then she tweets a picture of um, a purple flower, which is, is fantastic because um, she lost an election twice. Do I have that right yeah. about this one? Yeah, she lost oh, yeah. to Kyle Walker. She lost to Kyle Walker right before this one. And then she decided to run for uh, for city council. Now, remember, they've run this huge uh, HSE library thing. It's been national. That's been a national right. story where a friend of mine, Tiffany Divilton, who actually won the seat, uh, was been has been attacked repeatedly. Moms for Liberty was part of that conversation. This is the quote unquote, you're banning books national conversation. I mean, Fishers was the epicenter of the book banning conversation in the country for the longest time. And Democrats still couldn't get it done. They so, still lost. I want to make this really clear. Poor voter turnout is a you problem. It's a you problem. Yeah. The nobody only wanted to support people you. responsible for people not coming out to vote for you is you. 
Because yep. what, what, did you not invite them? Did you not talk to them? You know, we all talk about all oh, big GOP money. Okay. What did that GOP money do? Did it like buy buses to like bus people in to go vote like they do in Democrat cities? Is, is that what happened? Or is Fisher's just a red town who looks at a lot of her fear mongering and goes, mm, no, nope. not there. And I, and I told her this and her response is truly my favorite thing. Uh, because I said, look, this is undeniable. You lost because you were an embarrassingly poor candidate for Fisher's twice. And so this, she thinks, is just her magnum opus. She says, Democrats like us are a big threat to GOP's grip on our community. And here's the tell. Like Tony and others here, they fling silly insults at Dems. Celia, I, I'm not the one that just accused financial manipulation and book banning and fascism on all of my political yeah. opponents. So, no, the, the, um, the, the GOP in, in Hamilton County as a whole, whether it was Carmel, Westfield is completely different than the other two, but whether it's Carmel or Fishers, the GOP has been painted as a fascist group. And it's crazy because the GOP's ran these cities for so long. That's why they're so successful. Like it, they, So the only way that the, that the Democrat candidates could come in and do anything wasn't based on policy, wasn't based on how the city's performing, wasn't based on education, and surely wasn't based on crime. All those things in those cities are fantastic. They had to create issues like, Sue Finkham, where do you stand on Moms for Liberty? Hey, city councilwoman, where do you stand on book banning? It's like right. these, are, these, are, these are ridiculous issues, and then they don't even want to have the conversation, right? So – I'm glad she lost, and I'm sure she'll run again, and she'll be a, th a thrice-time loser. I mean, again, all Democrats have to do in these, again, these very conservative bastion donut areas where, again, you've just had a lot of conservative voting success, good policies that the city's you know, sprung up and done quite well. Um, you have to prove why the governing GOP has been bad at their job. She didn't do that. She no. like, attacked random alternative targets out there in the ether. Uh, one thing that I will I will say that I've appreciated about uh, Doden's campaign recently, Eric Doden for for governor, um, is that he has started going after Braun, who was his main opponent, yeah, and he's going after him opponent. based on governing failures and policy, and that's how you run against an opponent. Well, time will tell if it's effective. Sure. But again, if you're actually going to run, you know, shooting shadows in the dark is not how you do it. Uh, Jerry, thanks for hopping on. Great, great set of tweets for Awful Tweets. We'll be back next week. Same great time, same great place. You are listening to The Tony Kennecast on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. A very fine rest of the evening to you guys. We've almost made it. And uh, I got to tell you guys, after the last couple of weeks, you just need a bit of a break. But before we let you go, it's time we had a talk. A good family discussion, gather around the campfire. It's time that we discussed the deeply important subject of conspiracy theories. And, and you know, like the, the, the really good conspiracy theories, uh, like that uh, Mattress Firm is actually a front for smuggling tons of money. Those, those are fun. Those are fun 
conspiracy theories. And and look, I I really enjoy a good classic run of the mill conspiracy theory. Who doesn't? I mean, look, listening to Ted Cruz go on and on about how uh, you know he's actually secretly the Zodiac killer. I mean, that's stellar stuff. That'll sell out a theater. But there is a moment when uh, it goes a little bit too far. And I, I don't mean in the, the school marm teacher, now, now, Billy, you've gone too far. It's time to sit down. Um, no, I'm, I'm talking more about when someone says something just way out of left field, like just way out of nowhere that you and I both know is completely nonsensical and loopier than the box that the parrot comes on, or I guess it would be the toucan. Fruit Loops was was the joke, in case you missed that one. Sometimes people say the Fruit Loops stuff. And uh, for a while, it, uh, it it was kind of relegated to just that weird guy on the street who said things. Uh, you know, like the Home Alone theory that the guy that was out shoveling the walks, those were secretly the salt of the dead bodies in the can. Right, look, we've all heard those conspiracy theories. And before the internet, they just kind of stayed relegated, you know, to the mystical lands of nothingness. Because if they didn't have any factual basis... They weren't really passed around. Now, don't get me wrong. There were a few loony conspiracy theories that were passed around, like we somehow faked the moon landing um, and the Soviet Union, uh, which was watching extraordinarily closely, just like let us get away with it. Uh, that's that's always a classic. There really weren't a lot that stayed around, though. Except uh, now with the Internet, conspiracy theories are just full-fledged nuts. And I'm talking like flat-earther nuts. Um, and that really comes from kind of the populist left and the populist right over the last couple of years uh, getting a few victories in, in a few small areas because there has been some high-level collusion uh, between like governmental entities like the federal government and the Biden administration and the Trump administration and Twitter uh, and censoring individuals or using the IRS to go after certain conservative organizations uh, or China. Uh, releasing a what looks like a either a concerted, very accidental mistake or a very overt release of the COVID-19 virus from Wuhan, which now the State Department openly admits is the most likely uh, scenario that occurred. Those are some pretty decent conspiracy theory level things, or at least we were told we, they were mocked as conspiracy theories. Uh, yeah, they ended up coming true. And somewhere along the line, everyone has kind of decided that this now means every conspiracy theory is true. And when I say everyone, I mean populists. So again, the, the idea is that, you know, the, the 2020 election was stolen. And was there some voter fraud in 2020? Absolutely. There was a good amount of voter fraud in several major areas around the country. The question is, was it enough to beat Trump in office? And the answer, after a lot of independent checkers checked it out, is probably not. Regardless, regardless, people have kind of hopped on to the idea that every single election was stolen. So we just had an off-year election, and I saw it again in, in elections that were incredibly close and elections that weren't close. Uh, every time a Democrat won, it was, oh, the election is stolen. And, and when the right wins, oh, the Republicans have stolen the election. Just like, again, that awful tweet from Jocelyn Vare. Oh, it's actually Republican money that turned the election. We need to have a talk. We need to have a conversation because the whole follow the money line for conspiracy theories, it doesn't work. It doesn't. The idea that people only believe things because they're being paid to is just so patently silly. It's just it's just silly. It doesn't work like that. You hear this from the Democrats all the time that the only reason that Republicans support 
the Second Amendment is because the NRA is paying them under the table. And you ask Republicans and they're like, I've never received a dollar from the NRA and I promote the Second Amendment because I believe in it. The NRA donates money to pro-Second Amendment campaigns because they want pro-Second Amendment policies. And I'm going to tell you another secret. Democrats are not largely against school choice because the teachers unions are paying them to be against school choice. A lot of Democrats simply really don't like school choice. They prefer a more statist style approach to public education. And the same with abortion. Democrats are for abortion because they believe in the idea of abortion, not because Planned Parenthood is paying them. And the reason that this matters, the reason you have to get your mind around this, and quite honestly, I I would say that it's kind of time to grow up a little bit, is because it's, it's getting a little tired. And not only is it getting a little tired, but it's 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 getting a little gross. It's it's getting just a it's just getting just a a little too much. And uh, quite honestly, when I say that it's getting to be a little much, I mean kind of to the line of it's it's just overtly racist. Because the pro-populist left and the populist right have been running around for the last couple of days saying that the only reason that someone would support Israel is because the Jews are paying them and the Jews control everything. And this is just like when the Freemasons used to control everything until you actually join the Freemasons and find out that it's just a bunch of old guys like doing charity on the side. And I'm not talking about just like the local lodge. I'm talking about like the state lodge. Just a bunch of old dudes giving to charity. There's no secret rituals that are sacrificing goats at all. I'm, I hate to disappoint you. And I hate to disappoint you about the Jews as well. But like the Jews aren't controlling everything. If, they, if the Jews are controlling everything, they're doing a really horrible job. If the Jews were controlling everything, the entire Middle East would just be Israel. Israel's a nuclear power. If they wanted to nuke all of the Middle East, they could. They could have absolutely everything taken over. I'm sorry, the Jews are just not controlling everything. And instead, I, the Baptist, Irish, and Cherokee political commentator, have been called a Jew because, you know, I, I think that the Jews aren't controlling everything. And it's just getting a little bit much, guys. Just, just, just a little, just a little bit weird. It is. It, just because it's conspiracy theory doesn't make it true. And you should be able to tell the difference between a good conspiracy theory about like, you know what, I think that the government, or at least this individual in the government, like when Christopher Ray gets up in front of Congress and says the border's fine, um, yeah, he's probably lying because you have the data. But when you get up on you know, the internet and say Hillary Clinton used 5G towers to create AIDS and autism, do you see how that's just a little less believable? Let me give you an example. The COVID-19 vaccine. The COVID-19 vaccine was and is bad. It was an experimental RNA vaccine that rewrote instructions for how your cells deployed and stored information on antibodies. It is not a vaccine. And I don't mean that in, it's not actually a vaccine. It's secretly Bill Gates microchipping you. No, I mean that it's not actually a vaccine. A vaccine is when you put a dead or weakened form of a virus or bacteria in your bloodstream, like Jonas Salk with smallpox, and then your body, recognizing the virus, treats it as a real virus fights it off, and then stores antibodies. So the next time that your body is fighting the smallpox virus, it already has kind of the troops ready to deploy. COVID-19 vaccine, that mRNA, it's not a vaccine. It didn't do that. That's the honest teardown of the COVID-19 vaccine. That's not even conspiratorial. That is just a very basic biological fact that I taught my students before the COVID-19 vaccine was ever a thing. 
We've been looking into the CRISPR-Cas9 method of DNA and RNA rewriting for a long time. That's the basis that was used to make the COVID-19 vaccine. However, the kind of off nonsensical thing is that people took this and ran with, well, all vaccines are bad because they all secretly contain mercury and it's creating autism and no. And when I talked to a political individual in the state of Indiana that is on a certain show, and I said, I have observed in a microscope, I have watched myself as I have watched a vaccine for chickenpox fight the chickenpox virus under the microscope. Her response was, well, it's different in your body than under a microscope, even though the fluids that I had under the microscope were the exact same in a human body. And this is where you reach the point where you want to start smashing your head into a solid oak door. Because the other night, or more precisely last night, the Republican Party decided to split into three separate factions. The establishment had already kind of been drifting away from conservatives and populists for a long time. And then populists decided to just take the entire shark and throw it into the tornado. Because Candace Owens, who has had, let's just say, a very interesting pattern history on when she's decided to say that she's a Christian and when she's decided to not say that she's a Christian, referencing a Joe Rogan interview where she said she didn't believe that Christ rose from the dead or was born of a virgin birth, you know, two of the central parts of actually being a Christian and believing in Christ. And then, of course, uh, all of the other very weird stuff that she said regarding Kanye when he defended Hitler and, you know, said the Jews control the world. And now she's suggesting that the only reason that anyone supports Israel is because they're being paid to. I would certainly love for Israel to just start sending me checks if that's a thing. And I can be accepting dark Zionist oil money. That's that's super duper. Uh, but there is something to note for those of us who've actually, you know, kind of been around evangelicals here in Indiana. You're around a lot of evangelicals. You are. And evangelicals, by and large, believe wholeheartedly that uh, we're supposed to bless the Jewish people because that's kind of what the Bible says. And the Jews aren't controlling everything in order to make that happen. It's completely silly. But we have now reached a point where the entire of the online sphere is filled with individuals defending the fact that, well, actually, Israel's controlled by these Jews who are seducing everyone with their money. Well, they can't control the UN enough to prevent all of the condemnations they certainly can't control the nations around them. Uh, they've actually given up land consistently over the last 60 years in the same time that Jews were supposed to be making such amazing strides at world domination. So I'm just saying, if you're going to buy into a conspiracy theory, give it the sniff test. Just give, it, give, it, give it a little bit of the sniff test. You know, think twice. You know, look, I understand that there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on. But some of you individuals out there who believe that the other side is evil mastermind intelligent that's secretly pulling all of the strings on both sides and it's all a matrix simulation. Um, those are the same individuals who get on TV and try to tell you that an AR-15 is a machine gun that stands for Assault Rifle 15. You cannot be both stupid and a mastermind genius of evil intelligence. It just doesn't work like that. I'm sorry. It's dumb when the left does it too. Either Trump says stupid things or he's an evil mastermind genius. You can't have both. So we have one year, one year exactly, before we get to the 2024 presidential elections. And Republicans, conservatives, libertarians, because that's pretty much the right, is going to need to make a decision as to whether we are going to 
competently face policy issues. And look, look, you can not want to send money to Israel. That doesn't make you anti-Semitic. You can say, look, I don't want foreign aid going to any country at all. That's a very valid position. You don't have to marry that to like Jew hatred, though. You don't have to go that far. Again, just because I say, you know, I believe that the United States should be militarily intervening and protecting our southern border. That doesn't mean that it's because the Mexicans are controlling something. You don't have to go that far. And honestly, I'm kind of eager to see how this whole three-wedged situation comes out. Because the last time Republicans did this, we had a weird situation with the Whig Party and things got a little bit hairy. All right, that's the end of the show tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. You have been listening to the Tony Kinnecast on 93 WIBC.